Hello and welcome to One in Four, talking mental health with Abby Lacey and friends. In this series, I'll be chatting to friends about their mental health, how they cope, their support systems, advice they've learned and advice they'd like to pass on. Please note the topics in this podcast may not be suitable for all listeners. This season of One in Four is sponsored by Handling Change. Handling Change are experts in delivering a wide range of targeted well-being and ergonomic solutions, including on-the-job manual handling, emergency first aid, mental health first aid and video productions. They work in partnership with a number of leading international organisations, providing discreet, bespoke and tailored training and support across multiple sectors. Your people, your culture, your tasks, your way. To learn more about the wide range of targeted well-being and ergonomic solutions offered, please visit handling-change.co.uk or email support at handling-change.co.uk. This season of One in Four is sponsored by Handling Change. Handling Change are experts in delivering a wide range of targeted well-being and ergonomic solutions, including on-the-job manual handling, emergency first aid, mental health first aid and video productions. They work in partnership with a number of leading international organisations, providing discreet, bespoke and tailored training and support across multiple sectors. Your people, your culture, your tasks, your way. To learn more about the wide range of targeted wellbeing and ergonomic solutions offered, please visit handling-change.co.uk or email support at handling-change.co.uk. On today's One in Four, I'm joined by Danny Watts. Danny and I know each other through our local rugby club, Rams, near Reading. In 2017, Danny suffered a catastrophic injury whilst playing rugby, which has left her paralysed from the waist down. Danny and I talk not only about her time in hospital after the injury, but also how her mental health has shaped her and her exciting plans for the future. Hi, Danny. Welcome to One in Four. How are you today? And I mean, how are you really? Not just, yeah, yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, life's all right. It's been a nice day. How am I really? So yesterday I found out my dad terminal cancer. So yeah, where did that leave anxiety last night? Mm. I've not, um, so I'm, I think I'm 24 hours now without sleep. So I'm in a really good chatty, great mood. You know, when you go overtired? Yes. That's what mood I'm in. So Am I in a good mood? I'm in, I think I'm in all moods today, feeling them more. Well, yeah, and that's what I want, is I just want you to be completely honest. So, and um, honest you shall get. Excellent. <laughs> Danny, why are you here today? So, we are part of the Rams, aren't we? We and are. You was there, I just learnt now, when I was injured uh, during a rugby match. And I think that... Um, where I've shared a lot of my injury on Instagram I think that's where we kind of come alight that you you know I did I was open about having mental Mm. health issues prior to the injury and obviously having the injury set off even more mental health issues. Tell me about I obviously know about your injury but um, talk about your injury back in 2017 wasn't it? 2017 it seems like yesterday. Does it really? Yeah it feels like sometimes I generally do forget I'm in a wheelchair Mm. I still will, and I'll go to move, and I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and, like, you have to go the long way round of everything. Um, so what happened on that day? Obviously, pre-game nerves, as usual. 
Um, I was so excited to play this match because the last time we replayed this team, we just outplayed them on rugby, dignity, skills, and we beat them with that. And what was really cool is a lot of um, the teammates, like, I think there was a good lot of people over the age of 35 in our team prior to that. And I don't think they believed in themselves. And when we had the first win over this team, we were really looking forward to the second one. So what happened that day is we were winning. Last 40 seconds of the match, um, I was tackled really nicely, mm. which left me with a permanent spinal cord injury. So I'm level T10 is my status, T10 complete, mm. which means I have no motor movement underneath my waist level. Um, oh, there's Bailey barking. So sorry if you can hear him. He wants to come in. So yeah, that um, on the eighth of October, two thousand seventeen, life um, took a different path. I was on a. Do you know what? It sounds really corny, but I was in such a happy place. It took me such a long time to find who Danny was, and I literally just found her. Yeah. And then this happened on that day. But it, you know, you got to make the best out of the situation I, I really think I am trying to do that I think I mean so, having followed you on Instagram I think probably since it happened I mean you absolutely have you haven't sat back and just let the world pass you by at all have you no and I think it's um it it's really easy when you're it, it was really easy to do that like mm. I could have 100% took the easy road out and kind of maybe I did you know some days I do take the easy road out Luckily for me, I've got fantastic family. Like I've got Pete and the two kids. Whereas I am having that bad day, which I still get them. Like I feel, I feel in control of my mental health. But I think everyone who suffers from mental health does know that you know not every day is a good day, and it is okay to admit that. And I think half of it is admitting it, isn't it? Yeah, and I think that's a massive key with the injury. Kind of, kind of weird to say, but it in a, it's a good way that it happened because it let me find myself even more because when you when you're in such a vulnerable situation and you have mental health issues could, yeah it could have eaten me up good you mentioned that you had mental health issues before before the accident happened so just give me a little bit of history of your life and your mental health for want of a better phrase <laughs> where do we start <laughs> so do you know what I'll go back to when I was a kid mm. so even as a kid, being like young as seven, so I actually find myself really lucky that I was raised in East London um, in Bow on a council estate. Like, I think having been brought up there has given me the massive resilience to be who I am now. Yeah. I'm like one of th like four, three brothers and me. I am the most boyish one out of all of us. I was constantly playing in mud and all of this stuff, but... I always remember there was always someone it felt on my shoulder you know like I always felt that now I know it was anxiety yeah my dad was a drinker my mum done her best for us and I think I just knew there was something not right compared to what normal was and what normal wasn't yeah yeah so I then left East London when my mum and dad split up and you know I was a huge daddy's girl like when me and my dad used to go when we had went on holiday as a family my brother who is four years older mm. he and my mum would go to bed by eight o'clock and me and my dad literally were out all night I remember in Spain in Salou literally we I went to my first like rave thing I think I was like 
seven, eight of my dad and Salou just having a, the part time of my life. So having him taken away, it, which that's what it felt like. Yeah. Um, I think that's where it all started. But like, you know, families do break up, unfortunately. Yeah. You know, my children, they're, they're from a broken home. It's not any fault of my own, but, you know, life it's just, just happens. It's life. It's life, isn't it? From a young age, I had a lot of change. Change kind of is a huge trigger to my anxiety. And I feel like looking back I you could sense a kid as a kid you know when you're young that things are different and I think that's the change is huge for me in trigger so they mm. so moved into North London then moved to Welling Garden City so moved out of London where I just felt totally different because everyone talked so different like compared to me so again like you just kind of feel like the odd one out then kind of got into sport and the kind of sport was literally my outlet because it didn't matter how you felt or if you were from A or B, if you just was once you was on a pitch, you was a part of something. And I think that's where I found an outlet to my mental health. So I was a keen footballer for many of years. Um, and then having children. Now, again, <laughs> that's another nice good change. So again, talking about change. I wouldn't say that I suffered from postnatal, but it was a huge change. So I suddenly got whizzed off and married because of my ex-husband was military right so to enable to get uh, somewhere to live most squaddies get married just to get an, an army quarter it's yeah. not really a marriage it's just a bit of papers we got our house that unfortunately is actually in Germany so I left my job as a prison officer mm. packed my bags up at 36 weeks pregnant and drove over to Germany in my little fiesta oh my god yeah so like I mean I don't help with my anxiety doing <laughs> things like that <laughs> but I do love a thrill <laughs> and I do love to challenge myself you know it's a big challenge so there I was driving over to Germany and it's that time you know and it snowed in 2000 just coming into 2010 oh god and yeah. it literally didn't stop snowing for like four months <laughs> so um the drive to Germany was really fun and um, but I I think it Germany literally it, it got me good um being a part of an army community it's so isolating again I never actually had support kind of was just left on your own to deal with all these demons talking to you in your head and just thinking you're absolutely off your rocker where actually you're not you just kind of there's so many people that suffer that just didn't talk how long how long were you there for oh five years oh wow five years in Bergen-Belsen yeah so it's actually the concentration camp where uh, Anne Frank was had her last moment. Oh wow! Yeah, it's really it's a really fascinating place. That place. do you know what? I spent a lot of my days on my own walking around there on my own in the concentration camp because it was just so peaceful. It's a really good place to go and switch off and count your blessings, really. Yeah. But yeah, so I came back to England in two thousand and fifteen. Mm. Came a carer to pay for the course to be a personal trainer. Because I just knew that exercise was was the one thing for me. It was my literally soon as I would, I'd get up at six a.m. I'd feed Freddie. I'd put Lily on the sofa, and she would actually just sit there watching me do my insanity workout. That was when I I got in really good state of mind, and I think that's when I knew that the marriage was not a mar- like an actual marriage. You know, it, it wasn't what a marriage should be. It wasn't what a relationship should be. So coming back to England. I knew that it wasn't going to be a forever thing so I kind of got a career sorted and the best thing I did was become a personal trainer 
yeah by far the best thing in like in the world for my mental health because I then was a PT in Reading so introducing me to the Reading Massive which then got me playing rugby and I think the best thing I found in rugby though was the community within it just found myself like I literally was surrounded by a bunch of women that were like oh wow you're good oh wow your kids look nice oh wow that's a cool job like I'd never been around so many positive people who bolster yeah. you up and oh, have... like, yeah I, you know obviously your family do that but when you actually have a community that do it I think that's what you get from rugby clubs I mean for me especially up at the Rams you get that mm. women actually building up women I was like oh this is cool but, and I really, I'd never had that in a team before. And I, I, you know, I've played in good high standard football teams. Yeah, I never had the, there was always like, mm, a few takes to free kicks, mm, a few takes to corner. Yeah. You know, there was still that little bit where, whereas in the rugby community, I think we're all just mad hatters together, you know. I think <laughs> yeah. we're, we're pretty open about kind of talking about things. I don't know why. I don't know why you find that in the rugby community but you know it, it is does strong... seem to go through the rugby community as a whole doesn't it that people yeah. as I said to you that this season that you're in um I think half the people that I'm interviewing are related to rugby in some way shape or another and it's just they obviously gravitate towards each other I think yeah I think yeah I think we do I mean it's the saying you know you can go anywhere over anywhere in the world if you're lost, find a rugby club because you'll be welcomed in. Yeah, like, no, it's so true, I mean, isn't it? Probably the most truest thing I've heard, you know, I've, um, with the Injured Players Foundation, I have met the most incredible people in that. Like, the banter between us is, it's such a dark, humoured thing. Obviously, we're all in the same boat. We're all, we've all suffered a catastrophic injury, some having spinal and some suffering brain injuries. But, like, just to find that little rugby magic between us all still like spurs us on because I would say everybody who who I've spoke to within even the spinal unit at Stoke Mandeville and talking to the injured players mm. mental health is massively something that we all suffer from yeah so you know this your the statistic is one in four but when you're in a place like a spinal unit and within other people that have had something catastrophically happen to them it's kind of like we're all 100% yeah I can imagine that but it's an amazing again community to be in because you're never alone and you know I was such I love being around people I, I love it like Pete is so opposite he is so opposite to me <laughs> like I love being surrounded by people yet I used to find myself surrounded by people but feel so lonely yet I am probably in the most worst condition I've ever been in in my life being you know I'm constant is the constant injury I'm never going to get over that yeah but like mentally I'm so much stronger than I've ever been because of just surrounding myself with good positive people when you had the so when you had the accident and you were in John Radcliffe for a bit weren't you and then did you go to Stoke yeah. Mandeville was was Stoke Mandeville the rehab place yeah so I had the joys of John Radcliffe and honestly like they were amazing at the trauma unit I, I mean I've got I've got two nurses that I consider they're my lifelong friends mm. like and they were my nurses at one point so I do forget that they have seen me naked and probably seen bits <laughs> of me that I haven't seen but I forget that when I'm with them yeah <laughs> don't worry and they probably <laughs> like, can't remember anyway yeah, yeah. 
No, oh, well, they, their nickname for me is Trump, so we'll just leave it there. <laughs> and it's not because you've got orange hair, is it? <laughs> it's not because I've got orange hair or orange skin, no. The joys of a spinal cord injury are, you know, you do have to leave your... I left my dignity on that pitch that day, let's just say that. You think you lose it in childbirth? Oh, hell no. <laughs> but it's awful, but because... So I noticed the difference in... Obviously, Pete hear there ever about what I say but like having a period when you're female in a wheelchair is just so much worse than oh. you, I, I, do you know what I do take seven days to myself and feel sorry for myself I don't blame you because... <laughs> I do not blame you at all yeah. <laughs> just, just go and eat chocolate <laughs> uh, give it up for Lent oh god I give it up for Lent yeah <laughs> give it up for Lent what a silly thing when you were in hospital did you have specific mental health care or was it did they concentrate all on the physical side of it or was it the fact that your nurses were so great that they were able to help you so as much as I had an amazing set of nurses and as much as I have I would not I don't think I would be where I am today if I hadn't had Pete for that first two weeks I literally had Pete from seven in the morning till like 12 at night he would then like they would sneak him out the RFU IPF actually um, fixed him up accommodation like in Airbnb so he was close to me yeah and I was really really lucky um, he was because it, my biggest fear is being on my own um, as a child unfortunately you know when parents meet other people you come in with you come in contact with stepbrothers and all this stuff so sadly I was abused um, by my stepbrother so it always it always happened when I was alone, always happened when mum was at work, always happened at night time. So I was still to this day afraid of the dark. My biggest anxiety, obviously, is when you have children, the last thing you want is for them to have anything as near as what you had. Of course. So first of all, like before, I felt pretty tough enough. If anyone come near my kids, you know, God help you, because Mama Bear would literally just come out of nowhere. And I was, it's not a good thing to be overprotective of your kids. Like I do see some things now that I think, oh, I really, I wasn't like that as a kid, but I haven't given them the chance to go and do that because I want to do it so they didn't get hurt or no way you're going down there on your own. I'll come with you. Like I never left them with anyone. So that's where my anxiety hit the roof because I just felt so vulnerable. And I thought, how? how am I ever going to protect myself if anyone comes at me now? And I really did think that just because I'd had a spinal injury and I was in a wheelchair that I generally saw myself as broken. And I think it, I think more because it was a really ignorant way of me, how I looked at the world of disability, being an able-bodied person. Yeah. And I really like, I just wish that I knew a lot more about what I could have done as an able-bodied person to help disabled like people so you know I've I've had charities like back up I've been skiing in Colorado but the, the amazing people that give up their time and come with you okay yeah. it's a skiing trip in Colorado I went sailing last year in Antigua um with Jubilee Sailing Trust and met again like the most amazing people and um they was all disabled these people I meet, honestly, I just think I would not have met you if I hadn't had my injury. Yeah, I would have looked, I would have looked over you, and it sounds so ignorant. 
you know, it's such an ignorant thing to but say. But that is, it, it is in hindsight though, isn't it? Yeah. So question for you, because this is one that I sometimes ask myself with having mental health problems, but I'm going to ask you in your physical disability, do you ever look at yourself and go, do you know what, actually, I'm pretty fortunate and I, the, the doors that have been opened to me by my disability are incredible. And am I articulating it right? 100% I know exactly what you're yeah. saying. Yeah, I literally feel like one door shut and has stayed shut with a lock on it will never open again. But I have had thousands of doors open in front of me and the world literally went from black and white to really colourful. Like I actually, I'm so, I feel so lucky. People find it really odd when I say I find myself lucky. No, I, I am it. so lucky and fortunate. I have been around people that as rugby was their life, it has absorbed their life. You know, some of these people I've met with high level injuries. I, I really do find myself fortunate because I've lost my legs and I can still, I've still got all of my hand functions. Like, yeah. you know, we'll talk about spinal cord injuries always comes up bowel and bladder. So when you get paralyzed, people often think you just lose your legs. The legs are at the bottom of my list to get back. The first thing I would, if I had a choice to have, okay, you can have something back on your body. Mm. It would be my bowel and bladder. Yeah. Because it's a muscle. It doesn't work. Like, you know, to use the toilets. So I actually use um, intermittent catheters. And what that means is every time I actually need to em um, empty my bladder, yeah. I have to use a catheter. So all these things are being chucked at you now at ho in, a ho in hospital. You not only have you lost your leg, you are now being told that you need to use catheters for the rest of your life. And you need to learn a bowel regime. I mean, when they explain the bowel regime to me, I wish my, my I mean, my face probably was a picture. I can like, imagine you just sat I there with your, a gog with your mouth going, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> yeah, literally. Like, honestly, Stoke Mandeville, all you would hear at 5am was this. And it was the trolleys coming with the suppositories. And it was all the nurses coming, you, all the rubber gloves start coming out. And literally, I was like, you ain't coming near me with your hands, fingers, suppositories. <laughs> what else is there? So they, you know, they gave me peristine, which fortunately I can do myself but luckily I had the choice you know I have the choice I had more choices so again I do feel lucky and I feel like mentally that has put so many other small problems in perspective going back to feeling vulnerable when I was first injured in, in John Radcliffe having the great support I felt okay night times I felt scared but I still felt safe yeah when I moved to Stoke Mandeville I went from a safe little haven of my own room at John Radcliffe having my little nurses come and sit in with me and have a packet of crisps at night time and I didn't sleep but um Stoke Mandeville I went into a bed bath of eight six to eight all I had was a measly curtain and opposite me was a woman on a trackie I thought I was going to get better because I was quite again I think I was quite ignorant to it like oh I broke my knee before I was still faster than everyone. I can, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. But kind of when you don't start getting better. Mm. And then Stoke Mandeville, you, you, 
like there's just wheelchairs everywhere you're like oh my life I've never seen so many wheelchairs in my life so you, it kind of is a huge eye-opener going to Stoke Mandeville massive did that make you realize and make you just go okay this is this is the rest like, of my holy life. shit this is my life yeah it, it was the holy fuck moment I think yeah and you know I did start feeling sorry for myself you know I was getting all this pain like oh the nerve pain came from nowhere mm. And it was like, you know, well, this is a part of the spinal cord injury. There's no magic pill. That's what my consultant used to say. No magic pill. You just got to kind of learn to live with it. And it's like, so again, you've been, you've, you know, you're having so much taken away from you that you start to feel like you have no control. Someone who has mental health issues prior to that, to then remove control. It's doubling isn't it it's just again it's changed the word changed me just triggers 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 obviously speaking about the abuse that happened as a kid being on my own behind a curtain trying to do catheters now I don't know ladies if anyone knows the intricate part of their self I didn't I did not know where to put a catheter they were like well we can just show you and it was so to them it was like so if you just you know get undressed and we'll show you it I don't worry I've seen it all before that to me every time someone says that to me I literally want to just smash their face because they may have seen it all before but they haven't seen mine and to me it's precious I control who sees it don't like you know don't just assume you can come in at me with a catheter trying to prod me with it so again um, probably making life harder for myself I just wanted to do it by myself I mean now I'm a whiz you know (laughs) just in and out um, (laughs) toilets done five minutes instead of 20 minutes what what used to get me was I just had a curtain behind me and they just expected you to be okay to be like naked behind it yeah and you're most vulnerable as well yeah I do remember one nurse saying in state Mandeville I came across some I came across some good staff and I came across some staff that were just they'd been there a long time and they were tired Mm. one of them said why are you so shy? You're a rugby player and you didn't get showers after. Oh my I was God, like, talk about sweeping generalisation. Literally, I was kind of, and I went, I used to shower in my pants and sports bra. Yeah. Like, it was like, the only one in there, like, kind of so covered up. Yet, I used to, like, they used to give me so many compliments about my body, but that used to make me feel so, so uneasy. When people say nice things about me, makes me feel uneasy. But again, I think that is, comes in with, mental health I was going to say it's part and parcel of it isn't it it's the whole yeah if you've got any sort of anxiety somebody saying something nice to you I know from having had low self-esteem that somebody says something to me and I go oh yeah yeah whatever yeah normally I normally yeah really brush it off yeah yeah I I mean I've got a really good friend of mine Matt Rose again he's up at run he always just goes you look really pretty today I go fuck off (laughs) he was my answer every morning at work literally just just shut up Matt and like fuck off I just think oh poor boy Jeremy's probably being really nice yeah (laughs) you know when I used to go on my little dates with Pete I used to get um him over and he used to help me like find an outfit and stuff and is it we we had such a lovely like we still do have such a lovely relationship how long were you at Stoke Mandeville for four months it was the it was four months. It felt like forever. Yeah, honestly, I, I think that was the worst part of my injury was being there. I think with the realization, with you are quite pampered when you're at a local hospital. So your spinal unit is there to then rehab you physically, not mentally. 
which shocked me massively because mentally you are forgotten about I would say when you have a catastrophic injury that's that was what I was going to ask you is do you know how many times I saw a psychiatrist in John Radcliffe I saw one three times and it just there was no rapport built which you know you have to have a good rapport with someone Absolutely. if you want to open up to them and then in Stoke Mandeville again I think I saw her she was just so overworked and busy I think I saw her maybe three times and it was always again let me just pull the curtain around oh wow are these curtains magic do they not hold my these are amazing these curtains please let me take them home because they're soundproofing as well as dignity proofing like honestly how am I why am I going to open up behind the curtain you know and it's kind of it was really forgotten about so what did you what did you do for yourself during that period I know you obviously you've got the kids you've got Pete you've got some brilliant friends you know all honesty I think for someone to get better and I'm talking for people who are drug addicts alcoholics people who over exercise people who are anorexic I think to change yourself in any of your mental health issues I think one it has to be for you oh god absolutely and two it I think you have to hit rock bottom I think you only know yourself when you pull yourself out of the hole you fall into I mean I'm speaking for myself I don't know if it is the same for others but I literally felt sorry for myself I'd say for a good six weeks in I'd wake up crying suicide was a thought you know no suicide used to you know you know the deep dark thoughts Mm. that follow you you know I'd I'd never do it it is horrible when you have that thought of maybe it would be easier yeah and it's really scary to even talk about that yeah let alone think about it so I was actually laying there this big hot water bottle thing I had I met an amazing woman there she was I'll mention her she's Liv she was the sports like coordinator yeah and she knew that I was sporty and she was the only one that never, she just came over and was like, morning, you're right in here if you want to talk. And it took me about six weeks to go into her yeah. and say, so what sports are on? Oh, um, on Thursdays we do wheelchair rugby. On Wednesdays we do uh, wheelchair basketball. Da, 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 da. Wheelchair skills, this and that. Oh, okay, and I'll come, come to one of the sessions, oh, mumbling around. So started going to the sports hall and I got into a sports chair and I whizzed the shit around. Did you? I literally was like, oh, wind in my hair. Oh, and I was smashing people and it was fun. No one was shouting at me that I weren't allowed to do that. <laughs> I forgot about the pain. To me, it was like I saw everything as like a PlayStation game. So I thought, I thought, okay, right. I've now got a, I've completed these levels now. The able-bodied one was completed. Now let's go got to start thinking in this mode now like I can still be Danny but I'm now going to be Danny just a little bit different so sport came into it at Stoke Mandeville and I think massively mentally that helped so many people there but had a little moment in the in so there was like a little room off the big physio room and it was where you got like calipers and stuff fit so I was laying there there was this huge hot water bottle and I used to lay in it because it really used to soothe my um, pains in my back oh. and all the neuropathic pain. And I was kind of like laying there. And if you can imagine a large set of calipers, what would fit, say, me, 
they kind of were hanging on the wall and they got smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. It's a little baby one. Yeah. Little, like, so I kind of, it kind of gets me a little bit like, I looked at these little tiny calipers and I thought, why am I here moaning and moping? I've had 27 years of being and doing what I want and having that freedom. There's that, that little, with them little calipers up there are measured for someone who isn't going to have that freedom in life. So from then, I kind of took the ball by the horns and I've been riding him since, really. I guess it's a process, though, isn't it? Because, you you know, like they say with grief, and I think you probably were grieving. And they say it goes in all yeah. the different stages and you've got to work through the process. You can't just suddenly go, oh, yeah, you know, well, actually, it's fine. I'm all right with this. You've got to work it through yeah. at your pace until something like that. What was sad is that no one kind of told you that you have to figure it out. Now, figuring it out, that obviously has made it, um, me more resilient and a lot stronger as a person, you know, as the other play, injured players I talk to as well. And other people in a wheelchair um, I talk to, we kind of was all in the same boat mm. of kind of figuring everything out. And you are literally grieving something that you see every day yeah. yourself. Yeah. You know, even now, like, I look at my legs and I think, ah, oh, these used like these used to be really cool. And <laughs> now they're just really, like they're, you know, how can it just go from bosh to bish? Like it is, and it, you know, you are up every day. I'm reminded, you know, the first thing I see when I wake up is my wheelchair. Yeah. I sit up. First thing I re- used to reach for was a glass of water. Now I'm reaching for my chair, make sure that's close to me. Then I take my pills that I rely on for the rest of my life now. May I say I have to come off a lot of neuropathic drugs though. So that has helped me mentally yeah. as well. Because a lot of um, drugs they use for nerve pain are all drugs that were first used for depression, anxiety, right. epilepsy. So, you know, you've got these, they're giving you these cocktails. I was going to say it's a cocktail, isn't time. it? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. So it, 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 it totally true what you said it's just a huge grieving process but again just I just I use the word lucky a lot I just I just am really lucky that I still have sport in my life I still have exercise like I've done the London marathon I mean that I'd never ever from laying there on the you know on the 9th of October waking up not being able to move my or feel my legs to then now having done I've climbed up Snowdon well, okay, I haven't climbed. I, I was pushed and dragged by um, the Rams team. We made You that. still got to the top. So therefore... But I still got to the summit. Exactly. You know, and it was so emotional because me and Pete, that was mine and Pete's being at the weekend, like when the kids used to go off um, to their donor. I had weekends free and that was mine and Pete's mm. thing, going off and going for a big trials. You know, I see on your Instagram, walking is amazing. Like, I loved it. Yeah. These are things that, do upset me still sometimes where I just wish as a family we could go on like the kids are getting old enough now to come on these little treks that we used to talk about taking them on whereas it is really tricky because I am disabled but then I always think to myself what does disabled mean because I'm able to do everything but I just haven't got the equipment yet or the equipment that hasn't been made to do that to make life easier yeah you know no absolutely so what's what are you up to now as far as are you are you PTing at all anymore? Um so I love it. So I actually applied I've actually applied to Joe Wicks 
he was he put out that he's looking for three personal trainers to join his team brilliant and I didn't think I was good enough to even be a PT in a wheelchair but why why, oh, why not why? I need to I need to start accepting some confidence and you do I, I love my job and because I love my job I wouldn't do something I wasn't good at and I think if you have passion for something and you do something with your heart I think you'll always you, you, it will come you know when you bake a cake with love it will taste nice exactly say, you know? yeah absolutely um, and I, I kind of feel PT is something that I'll never give up um, I PT, I do the strength and conditioning now with the sirens on a Wednesday. Oh, night. brilliant. So, yeah. I, do you know what? I really, really love it. I totally forget I'm in a chair. <laughs> on a Wednesday as well, in the daytime, we do um, exercise sessions with the Injured Players Foundation, like me and another injured player, Ross. Um, so he's a higher level injury. So it's, it's quite cool watching him deliver PT. Like he actually works for Nuffield and I literally am in awe of him because he works in Nuffield and has so much confidence. Yeah, I try and steal some every time I get with him. Like, but yeah, I'm studying, studying to be um, a psychotherapist because obviously what's the best thing to do when you're suffering from mental health is, hey, why not actually yeah. look at why? Like look at why this happens why do children suffer and why does it come and grow up with us so you at Reading doing that yes I'm at um I'm at Reading uni doing that but luckily I just do it um on a Sunday once a month and then the rest of it is lots of like um online learning yeah it's very distracting though if you've got a my mind don't stay <laughs> literally on my <laughs> I try my hardest I think you'll get five minutes and then I'll look in somewhere else and then you'll get another five minutes out of me and then I'll look somewhere else but yeah I'm I was not born to sit still and I don't think I ever will although they're trying they try they're trying their hardest to still, but I will not sit still being in a chair or not I mean um jumping out of an aeroplane in April hopefully COVID, brilliant COVID lets us yeah um doing it for the IPF so and what I'm really looking forward to is what my legs are going to do. <laughs> <laughs> All I've seen is Family Guy. You know, when you see Joe jump out of the plane and his legs are flapping. So um, I'm really, I'm really curious to see, like, I wonder if, like, because if you make me jump, it's weird. I still, I still jump and I feel the, like, the buzz in your leg. You know, when you get that, like, oh, I feel that, but it, they don't move. So I think, I wonder if they'll get that mm, when I jump when, are you going to wear a video camera? Oh, yeah. GoPro's got to go on that. <laughs> You've got to. You've got to. GoPro has to go on that. And then, obviously, um, I've got the London 10K. I'll have the London Landmark um, Half Marathon and then the London Marathon again in October. Brilliant. Oh, and I'm getting married in July. <laughs> We're finally getting married. <laughs> yes. We had to cancel. We had to postpone it last year. Um, oh. But this year, we're doing it no matter what. So that's a, that's probably, yeah, that'll be the, to me, that's the cherry on the cake to the journey that me and Pete have gone through. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Not many people would, not many people would survive living with someone like me anyway. <laughs> being an absolute, um, being a um, joyful, anxious, worry wart. Well, yeah. you're in good company here. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Just to round it all off, because I could sit and talk to you for hours, but unfortunately, I have to round it off at some point. What piece of advice would you pass on to anybody who has got, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick to the mental health issues, 
um, because that's the main reason we're here. So what piece of advice would you like to pass on? So the advice for me would be, you're not alone. Don't ever think you are, because I think it's a very lonely place to be if you let yourself, be, you know, become swallowed. And don't be so hard on yourself if you do wake up and you are having a shit day, because shit days happen to everyone. And sadly, when you do suffer mental health issues, shit days kind of come a little bit more often than the good. Like just you're not on your own. There's so many avenues now where you can go down and talk to. I mean, you know, if you if any of the stuff I've spoken about relates to you, I'm so happy to talk to you like via socials. Um, I think now day and age it's such a great place to open up. That like you know, I remember even say five years ago to talk about mental health issues, people literally would look at you like you are off your rocker absolutely I just think you are in a world now where it's okay to not be okay yeah so don't be afraid to ask for help that would be my biggest advice um coming from the most stubborn person I know myself don't be afraid to ask for help because that's the best thing I've ever done Danny it's been brilliant to talk to you thank you so thank so you. much yeah thanks for having me <laughs> Thank you for listening to One in Four, talking mental health with Abby Lacey and friends. Please leave a review wherever you listen to your podcast so that others may find us. Remember, One in Four is not intended to take the place of professional help. If you need help, there is a list of resources in the show notes on SoundCloud. And finally, please remember you are not alone. <laughs>